goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. Welcome in, everybody, to the Golden Homers podcast. I am your host, Singular, today, Mason Plummer. I'm riding solo. Nathan is unfortunately under the weather. Uh, everybody wish him, uh, give him your best wishes. Kind of lost his voice. He's been down under the weather recently. Um, he probably could have joined. It just wouldn't have sounded good. Wanted to keep his good quality and make sure that he rests his voice and he's able to come back. Uh, my Obviously, my podcast partner here, it's a lot better when it's the both of us, but I think I can handle this solo dolo today. Um, not a ton of news on the Notre Dame front. The, obviously, the offensive coordinator search is underway after last week, the uh, the bombshell kind of of Tommy Reese to Alabama. I say bombshell kind of because in a way it makes sense, right? Tommy Reese, he's been at Notre Dame for a long time. I believe John Kennedy on Always Irish, a good friend of the show, mentioned that Tommy Reese has been at Notre Dame since he was 17. People don't really think of that. Of course, he had short stints with the Los Angeles Chargers and then uh, at Northwestern being their quarterback's coach. But for the vast majority of Tommy Reese's life, he's been at Notre Dame and people forget that. I mean, South Bend isn't as, as a resident, a former resident of South Bend, it's not the greatest place in the world to live. When you think about all the nice sunny States that you can live in coach football in. And uh, I think Tommy Reese wanted something different. He doesn't have, uh, he's not tied down to Notre Dame. Of course, Notre Dame is where his heart is, but at the same time, uh, he doesn't have a wife and kids and a, a big house in South Bend or anything like that. So for in terms of a career move, put your, yourself in Tommy Reese's shoes and, and think about what you would do if ultimately it's, I mean, it's been broadcast widely for nearly years now that Tommy Reese wanted to go and be an NFL offensive coordinator, right? That Notre Dame wasn't going to be his job forever. I mean, you, you rarely see offensive coordinators stay for three, four, five years. And Tommy Reese stayed for almost four. This would have been four. And he made it known that being an offensive coordinator was, was something he was very interested in. So at the next level, I mean, at the in the NFL. And with the way that Alabama churns out offensive coordinators and, and you're you're under potentially the greatest college football coach of all time, that's a great move for Tommy, whether we like it or not, whether we whether or not we think that Notre Dame was hard done by it or, you know, this affects recruiting, this affects Sam Hartman, CJ Carr, whatever it is. This is a great move for Tommy personally, and it's hard to not respect that, right? Um, I, I think that he it was opinions of Tommy were divisive in a way. Um, I think people have split opinions on Tommy when it came to his play calling. Um, he, he was an outstanding recruiter. Uh, he doesn't get enough credit for that, and Nathan and I are all big proponents of his recruiting capabilities. Um, some of his play calling, sure. It, the most recent play that comes to mind that's a little bit questionable was – throwing uh, against South Carolina ended up being a pick six um, when you're running the ball down their throat nearly nonstop. So um, Tommy did try to get too cute at times. I think anybody would admit that. I think he maybe tried to outsmart himself, trying to just do a little bit too much at times. But on the same token, you're not going to find – Nerdim isn't going to be able to replace him, I don't think, with a better offensive coordinator, at least immediately. Um, the way that Tommy Reese had a feel for the game at such a young age – I think is rare. And for somebody that understands Notre Dame, I think that's something that's lost on people as well. 
is that it's not easy to recruit or coach at a place like Notre Dame. And does that sound like a loser kind of excuse or does that sound like, um, you know, just an excuse at all? Maybe, but Notre Dame isn't necessarily the first destination for everyone. And for Tommy, he stayed longer than he needed to. He had plenty of opportunities to move on. He decided to stay. He could have went and been LSU's offensive coordinator if he really wanted to, but he chose not to. And of course, there's a lot of decisions and uh, behind the scenes stuff that we aren't necessarily privy to, but that that's a huge thing for Tommy Reese. And um, him coming back was a huge part of why last year's class stayed together and why Notre Dame had the success it did uh, this past season. Was it the year that everybody wanted? No, but Tommy Reese was a huge part of why Notre Dame was successful this past year and in the years prior. Um, just the limited offensive capability uh, and still being successful is um, a huge credit to Tommy Reese. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame, of course, they didn't make the playoff this year, but he was responsible and helped them make two playoffs with lackluster offensive production. I mean, this year, of course, nobody expects Tyler Buckner to go down immediately, right? But you bring in a guy that in Drew Pine, for example, in the game like in the game in Clemson, against Clemson in South Bend, where both teams knew that Pine wasn't going to be able to throw the ball down the field, yet Tommy's able to, to scheme up a game plan where Notre Dame is able to run the ball down Clemson's throw and throw just enough in throws that Pine is comfortable with and and give Notre Dame a, a huge lead in the game and ultimately a huge win against Clemson. So um, kind of off on a tangent here when it comes to Tommy Reese, but ultimately it just shouldn't come as a shock, right? I mean, if you're looking at the available jobs, of course there's always a, a coaching carousel at this time of year, but what's really an upgrade from Notre Dame? I mean, think about that. When you're looking at a guy like Tommy Reese, who's very highly regarded, whether you like him or not, across college football and the NFL, this shouldn't come as a shock. I mean, it, it was Alabama, Georgia, um, Ohio State probably would have been interested. They just hired Hartline, who's a great recruiter in his own right, but he hasn't called plays before. Um, who are the other top-tier programs that Clemson just got their guy? So... Tommy Reese was going to move on to the NFL to be an offensive coordinator or move on to a top, top tier, um, <clears throat> to a top, top tier offensive coordinator gig for probably one season with Saban and then move on. And I think that's probably understood, right? So again, not a shock here. I, I, I understand. I, I would have loved to see Tommy flourish and let Sam Hartman do his thing. I think the offense could have been really special this year. And I still think it will be, I think it's going to be a really great offense, but would it have been better with Tommy? I probably, I think so. And of course that's with that's saying that without knowing who the new offensive coordinator is, we'll get into that later on with terms of the candidates and what I think personally, but I, the Tommy Reese slander on Twitter has gotten a little bit out of hand. I'm hoping he's not a social media guy because he's done a lot, a lot of great things for Notre Dame. And for the people that think this was unexpected, that's crazy to me. Um, I mean, look at look at how Tommy Reese has Tommy Reese has steadily grown in his career and how long he's been at Notre Dame. It was going to be this year or next. Offensive coordinators across the country don't stay for that long. Nobody wants to be a career offensive coordinator, and I think that should be respected and known that Tommy Reese wasn't going to stay here forever. He wasn't going to be Marcus Freeman's offensive coordinator for five. What, what do you want? Three or four more years? That's just not realistic. And maybe, will he come back to Notre Dame later on down like down the road as a head coach? Maybe. I think ultimately he wants to be a head coach, but I think on his mind now, I've seen where his career can go at Alabama. Hopefully he has a great year there. I hate to root for Alabama, but I think that 
it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of Tommy Reese's schemes work really well. He's smart when it comes to offense. He just is. So um, I'll, I'll be curious to watch that. It gives me a reason to watch another team other than Notre Dame intently and LSU rooting against them, of course, and, and Michigan. I root against Michigan regularly, but um, so beside the point. Thinking that, that Tommy was going to stay for so long is just absurd. So I wanted to get that out there. Now, in terms of recruiting and how this affects everyone, I'd imagine Sam Hartman knew this was a possibility before he came to Notre Dame. Um, did he think it was a, a, a for sure thing? No, but I can't imagine that Tommy Reese was the reason that Sam Hartman decided that Notre Dame was going to be his spot to play his last year of college football. Was it a part of it? Sure. I think that Tommy Reese, like I've said, I, I've been very high on Tommy Reese, I, I, but I've also been critical of him in the past. But at the same time, I think Sam Hartman sees or saw what Tommy Reese is and how he could help him progress his game to where he's an NFL guy. Now, I think Sam Hartman's already an NFL guy, but I think all of the eyes on him that naturally come with playing at a place like Notre Dame is really going to elevate him into being a second or third round pick potentially uh, in next year's draft. So without Tommy Reese at the helm, that of course that changes things a little bit. But I'd imagine when Notre Dame gets this hire done in the next week or two, maybe three weeks, depending on uh, which guys they end up targeting, which guys they end up interviewing and interviewing seriously, that Hartman's going to get to work with him right away, and it'll be just fine. Hartman, did, it's not like Hartman had this long-term relationship with Tommy Reese, and it's like heartbreaking for him. I know heart, uh, kind of funny there, but. Um, I think it'll be fine. I, I do think that Hartman, of course, he wanted to work with Tommy, but um, Hartman would have been informed that this this all happened probably before we were. And uh, Notre Dame is where he wants to be, and I'm I'm very confident in saying that. Um, and then, of course, the post that he drops lifting in the Goog after uh, after Tommy, you know, or after the news gets leaked, I guess Tommy hasn't said anything himself. I'm sure he will in the next week or so, but. Uh, after the news gets leaked that Tommy is going to be accepting the job, that he's he's in the goog lifting. I cannot describe how much I love that. Uh, Hartman just in there doing his thing, just lifting with the team. Was that video taken at that moment? I don't know. But to me, without saying it, he's just showing, you know, he's working. Notre Dame is where he wants to be. Regardless, let's go do our thing, right? So I think things, obviously things will look different for Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is where Hartman wants to be. And even if he didn't, sitting out this this whole next – that wouldn't be the whole season. He'd have to sit out until the fall. He's already registered in Notre Dame. That would be such a headache. And it's not like Marcus Freeman is going to make a bonehead hire. I'm very confident that Freeman is going to make the right hire for this job because he knows this is a this is a huge hire for Marcus Freeman. The first offensive coordinator you bring in yourself, I mean, this is all his call. Of course, he's going to bounce ideas off of people. But – this is the first huge hire of his and it's the next or the last step in removing everything from the Kelly era. There are no Kelly coaches here anymore. This is all Marcus's show. Now there are no lingering uh, ideas of the Kelly offense or for better or for worse. It was great at times, but it was also bad at times. And people thought that there was reins or uh, handcuffs on Tommy Reese and uh, what ways he was, was and wasn't allowed to do things on offense. I mean, we're going to see now, Marcus Freeman was always a defensive guy, but he kind of leaned in and he made it very known that he was in uh, quarterback meetings and offensive meetings, trying to get a feel for, for offense and you know what his opinions and how he wants to do things at Notre Dame. <clears throat> Notre Dame's traditionally been a ground and pound, run the ball 
kind of team. But when you have a guy like Sam Hartman, who you know can sling it, you kind of have to play to his strengths. And I'm, I'd imagine Marcus knows that. And now in terms of you know moving on to candidates, you have to be a good recruiter. And Marcus Freeman's made that very known. And, and the hires that he's made, even when it comes to positions like defensive line or you know, positional uh, guys, not even not even an, an entire coordinator. So he's made it known that you have to be a hell of a recruiter, and he wants you to beat him as a recruiter. Marcus, of course, wants to be the number one guy on every recruit, but that's not necessarily realistic. I love that quote from him saying that he better be the number one recruiter on all the, all all of the Notre Dame targets. But at the same time, you have to be a great recruiter. And I think that people have this notion that Tommy wasn't a great recruiter, but he really was. I think that he just kept his stuff close to the best and didn't necessarily want it all out there. And I don't think he's big on social media other than, you know, I think he he likes to spite people on social media, maybe. I think he uh, he finds irony in social media. But being able to replace Tommy as a recruiter isn't an easy thing, and that's something Marcus Freeman's going to have to do um, in terms of an offensive guy. I don't think replacing a defensive coordinator would nearly be as difficult because Marcus knows the defensive side of the ball, right? He he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's looking for. But in terms of finding somebody to recruit offense and finding offensive talent, that's a whole different thing. And Notre Dame needs that offensive talent to move forward and get into the the college football playoff on a regular basis and maybe win a college football playoff game, much less a national championship. That's what we all want, right? So in terms of what you're looking at and for a candidate, as I mentioned, you have to, you have to be a good recruiter, but it's been, I mean, you can, you can look at the the list that's been kind of thrown around on Twitter on a couple of websites and look for yourself and see that what Marcus is looking for is somebody that's an experienced play caller. He doesn't have the experience calling plays at all. So it's not like Marcus is going to try to take control of this offense. Like somebody like Kelly would, um, he doesn't have that kind of experience and he doesn't have, the capability or time to be able to have somebody at the first time play caller, he can't help them. He doesn't have the experience to do that. He hasn't been there and done that when it comes to being an offensive uh, play caller. So like I said, uh, defensively, that's a whole different thing, but this is uh Marcus is a defense guy first. And I mean, that's very well known and um, what he's looking for in an offensive coordinator has to be an experienced play caller and somebody that can recruit at an extremely high level. And I think that the, the list of candidates that's, kind of been thrown out there in least of terms in terms of guys that make sense. Um, they, they fit that billing. So are those guys all accurate? It's hard. I mean, unless Marcus comes out and he like says, we're interviewing this, these handful of guys or whatever, we don't necessarily know um, the people in the know do of course, but uh, I'm not somebody that's privy to conversations with Marcus Freeman uh, in terms of offensive coordinator candidates and uh yeah, well, I mean, but I'd imagine we'll know those names within the next week or two. Um, they they just have to be a good recruiter, and when it comes down to it, this class, this twenty four class, has a chance to be special. I think there's two top twenty five, maybe top thirty guys in quarterback CJ Carr of Saline, Michigan, and then uh, the wide receiver Cam Williams, who I think is on the the cusp of five star status. You won't find people higher on Cam Williams than Nathan and I. Um, the kid's a stud, and in terms of the, those are the two offensive guys that you can't lose, especially Carr. I mean, I think they're both special, and they have a great friendship now. And, but I think that if you were to ask them before this Reese thing, they knew they weren't going to play their whole career under Tommy, and that's why Nathan and I always say you don't commit, you don't commit to a school for coaches. Um, of, of course, you assume that the head coach will be there long-term because that's much more likely. But in terms of coordinators, if you pay attention to any sort of college ball, 
you know that coordinators tend to rotate. The coaching carousel is very real. And that's even in the NFL too, uh, to be fair. So every two or three years, maybe even every year, in the case of Alabama, Georgia's uh, coordinators tend to move on quickly. And I think that recruits know that and see that especially in the world like of Twitter today where you're seeing hiring and firing, you get news instantly and news just spreads so fast. Offensive and defensive coordinator positions aren't made to last for forever. And if you have somebody like a, a Brett Venables at Clemson that lasts you a decade or two, that's very rare. And of course we saw Venables move on, but to have somebody that's at your program for that amount of time is, is a super rare thing. People want to move up. Uh, more often than not coaches want to be head coaches they don't want to be a coordinator forever they want to run their own show prove themselves and and the ability to run their own program and that's kind of what we've seen so in terms of cj carr and cam williams we haven't heard anything that would uh that would hint at them looking elsewhere i think that they're locked in they want to make this Notre Dame class special and it's only going to continue to grow once marcus makes that right hire as we trust that he will and uh, that they make you know the right decision and then they that guy better come in and hit the ground running. I'll tell you that in terms of recruiting, Notre Dame has a lot of guys out there and they need that offensive talent to continue to grow. Um, the offensive talent in the last couple cycles, I would say has, has shown some growth, but that has to continue and continue in a big way. Can you bring in the five-star, the elusive five-star receiver, the guy that changes the game? Can you bring in a that guy that's a, a first round pick at receiver or running back or uh, running back isn't nearly as common, but with, with the way that football is evolving and maybe less so to Notre Dame's extent where you Notre Dame's identity is running the ball, you have to have that threat on the outside. You can't have these lackluster receivers, Braden Lindsey, Matt Salerno's on the outside anymore. That's just not going to fly. And in terms of development, you have to find guys that, I mean, Lorenzo Styles, for example, this past year was rough. He has all the talent in the world, but that's even more of a reason why you have to bring in studs every single year the Cam Williams, Ryan Wingos of the world that um, that you have to bring those guys in every year because some aren't going to hit. They just aren't, but you need those studs regularly, and that's what's going to win you college football playoff games. In terms of Ryan Wingo, if you follow Nathan, uh, me or Nathan, I was kind of chirping Nathan on Twitter about this. Um, of course, Tom, Tommy Reese has relationships, and you're going to see him, if Alabama already hasn't, Tommy is going to, of course, with Nick Saban, offer Notre Dame targets maybe even commits and that's going to rub people the wrong way, myself included. I don't, I mean, I understand it. You, you want the very best guys for your program and Tommy's doing ultimately doing the right thing, but it's like, damn dude, like you're recruiting these guys to Notre Dame and now you're going to, maybe he won't negatively recruit Notre Dame, but if it comes down to it, he's recruiting for Alabama now. I mean, Tommy Reese offers Ryan Wingo two days ago. Um, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. So Sunday, maybe it was Monday morning. And then, Wingo already locks in a visit to Alabama. I mean, that's tough. Notre Dame, it's tough to compete with that when Alabama's churning out receivers into the league year after year after year, first-round picks. When's the last time Notre Dame did that? So, uh, Wingo, I think there's legit interest in Notre Dame, but the offensive coordinator vacancy, vacancy that's tough. I mean, you've you got to bring in guys like that on a regular basis, maybe even a handful of them when you're talking about – if you were to bring in a, a wide receiver class – of Cam Williams and Ryan Wingo together on top of what you just brought in in the last class. And we're here already hearing great things about uh, Jaden Greathouse and in terms of his recovery, Braylon James from people that are, have seen him on campus say he looks huge and ready to play immediately. And he was a guy that had a really high ceiling, but people were saying that uh, maybe he won't be ready to play for a year or two. 
I, I'm really high on uh, on KK Smith and uh, Rico Flores as well. I think that continue to stack this offensive talent, and uh, that's going to be on the shoulders of the uh, the next offensive quarter coordinator candidate. Um, some names that have been thrown around in terms of the offensive coordinator candidate would be the quarterback coach Brian Johnson. He had some uh, some path calling plays at the University of Florida. Of course, that was alongside Dan Mullen. Uh, now he he is not available for interviews at the moment. You imagine this would happen after the Super Bowl. So he is currently the quarterbacks coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Brian Johnson also coached Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. Uh, so some uh, some good career plaudits for him there. Brian Johnson. I don't know if he's necessarily at the top of the list, but he's the guy I'm very intrigued by. I'm not going to act like I'm going to power rank these guys for you um, because ultimately people that, unless you're the Tom Loys of the world, a lot of people are saying that they have information. You know who they are on Twitter and they don't because there's not a ton of information to be had right now. There's a lot of speculation. So uh, in terms of other guys that make a lot of sense, it seems like Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it seems like that could be an option. I would have uh, I would have pause when it comes to recruiting. When you bring an NFL guy back to the college level, I think it's almost a shock in terms of how much recruiting is the thing. And some guys don't like it. Um, I can understand how that would be exhausting, trying to chase around 16, 17-year-old kids, trying to convince them to come to your school. Uh, that could be a lot. And I totally get that. I don't envy that. I think it, I think it would be fun in a way. Uh, but that's me speaking as a fan, not somebody that would have to do it and uh, rely on that as my livelihood. So Byron Leftwich would certainly be interesting. Joe Moorhead, the head coach at Akron, he recently just took that position. I don't know if there's been contact between him and Notre Dame, but there was uh, there was interest in the past. And I'd imagine that if Notre Dame were to reach out, that that would be an interesting phone call for him. There's a couple of other, other names out there, but um, subscribe to Irish Illustrated websites like that if that's uh, something you want to look into. Um, before I move on here past the offensive coordinator and Tommy Reese stuff, I want to let you guys know, if you've seen Nathan or I's Twitter recently, uh, we have been picked up by prize picks of the new, uh, fantasy sports betting app. Um, we have our own code, all caps, N D Irish. That's the letter N D I R I S H. So if you were able to type, if you're able to type in that code, get double what you deposit up to hundred dollars when you sign up. So as we're heading towards the Super Bowl, no better time to join prize picks, double your deposit, uh, use our code that helps us out, helps you out. And of course, uh, we appreciate you supporting the pod in that way. Now, moving on, the only other real news other than Tommy Reeves and the offensive coordinator candidates is Leonard Moore, the commitment. Um, he joined the Notre Dame 2024 class as a second corner in the class behind Carson Hobbs um, out of Round Rock, Texas and Round Rock High School. Again, the class of 2024, according to 24-7 sports, six foot two, 177 pounds. You can tell the length on film. The kid looks legit to me that his, his film, it pops off the screen. And I try to look at film. I try not to, to look at the stars, people that stargaze are often suspect in my mind. Um, you know, ranking somebody on whether they're good or not, just based on their stars. I mean, guys jump up and down all the time. When Notre Dame offered Kyle Hamilton, I don't even know if he was ranked or at the very least he was in thousands as a three-star. You have to trust your talent eval. Not that I'm the greatest talent evaluator in the world, but pop on Leonard Moore's film for me and let me know what you guys think. I mean, the dude's legit. His arms are down past his knees, and that's something I look for. It's hip fluidity, the length of your arms, and the speed at which you can play, and he has all of those things. And you're playing the best competition in the state of Texas. Um, that's another thing I wanted to mention. The Texas pipeline Notre Dame's creating right now. Uh, you just brought in Leonard Moore. You bring in Jaden Greathouse, potentially the best receiver in the state of Texas. Um, maybe not in terms of talent, but uh, 
He's ready to play right now. And the records he was breaking at the very highest level of high school football, the dude's criminally underranked and plays injured. He has an injured uh, meniscus, I believe, right now. But at Westlake, the, the the stats that he was throwing up on top of being a multi-time state champion are just absurd. Uh, Braylon James from the state of Texas. I think he could be the best receiver in the class, and early reports are showing that. Micah Bell, ultimately probably the, one of the faster kids in the country. Uh, other than maybe like Nicholas Harbor. But uh, of course, Bell got torched in the All-American game. I, I, People keep bringing that up to me. I get that in my DMs a lot uh, whenever I talk about Micah Bell. But I think the kid's legit. When you're talking about pure speed, he can play a nickel or slot corner for you at a high level. And I really like what Notre Dame is doing here in terms of bringing in speed, specifically from the state of Texas where kids are playing a super high level of ball. And then K.K. Smith as well, late addition to the 2023 class. I don't want to get too much into the 2023 class, but that's another receiver who I think can be uh, real value and uh, a stud at Notre Dame. But in terms of Leonard Moore, like I said, pop on the tape. The length says it all. I mean, he's able to make plays on the ball. He fluid hips. He, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of him, to say the least. Uh, he, it wouldn't surprise me if he's close to my top 10 once this class is all set and ranked. I'd imagine Notre Dame's going to take probably 23, 24 guys in this class. but it will not surprise me one bit if he shoots up their rankings, man. I'm telling you. The What I've seen from Leonard Moore, and I'm excited to see uh, this upcoming season, what he can do, another year of strength, training, speed, and ultimately learning how to play football at, the, at a high level. I think Notre Dame got a good one here and got him in the class early. You know, he committed to Notre Dame February 4th, uh, nearly a year before signing day. I mean, that's huge. That's crucial. Again, also, can we can we talk about Mike Mickens? The dude is legit. The corner that he's bringing in to Notre Dame, we talk about Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey, who both played as freshmen. And you're looking at Christian Gray and Micah Bell. Christian Gray, I've been quoted as saying that Christian Gray can be the best corner that Notre Dame's brought in in the last 10 or 15 years, and that's including Benjamin Morrison. I'm extremely high on Christian Gray, and this is all down to Mike Mickens. And, of course, there's been rumors recently about Al Golden maybe looking around. Promote Mike Mickens, man, I'm telling you. Marcus Freeman and Mike, Mike Mickens, can run a hell of a defense together and you do not let a guy like Mike Mickens leave when the cornerback position at Notre Dame has been so, 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 so bad for the last 10, 15, 20 years. You do not let him leave when he's recruiting at such a high level like this and he's producing high quality corners. I mean, everybody knew that Benjamin Morrison was talented, but you're lying if you told me that you, you thought he'd have the impact to be a freshman All-American. I didn't think he'd probably touch the field. And I, I pay really closely attention to these things. I mean, you be, you're lying if you told me you thought that of him. So he's he's looking at being a three-year starter at Notre Dame. And he beat out some guys that I was already really high on. I mean, Mickens is absolutely balling, doing his thing. You love to see that. Um, but, yeah, to finish up my thoughts here on Leonard Moore, the guy's going to shoot up the rankings. Buy in now, I'm telling you. The dude's legit. I, I wish he was closer so I could watch him play. Um, pop on his film. If you look him up on 24-7 Sports, Rivals, whatever, it'll have his film there. Um, the dude is unbelievably legit. I'm loving what Mike Mickens is doing with this cornerback class. And uh, let me see if – I mean, there's not really a whole lot else to cover, Irish fans. That's about it for now, other than uh, Mike Bray's replacement. It looks like it's being narrowed down to a couple names. Porter Moser is a name that's been thrown out on Twitter. Not a, a ton of uh, legit links to that. But, of course, he's the coach at Oklahoma – uh, now, but he was um, he made some impressive runs in the past and the NCAA tournament for a, a couple of different ball clubs. But um, don't want to speculate on any names necessarily right now, other than uh, Micah Shrewsbury as well from Penn State. Looks like those two are kind of the names to know for Notre Dame right now. But I think that's going to wrap it up here, Irish fans. Hopefully, 
later on this week or maybe next week, my podcast, Nathan, uh, my podcast partner, Nathan Erbach, will be back with me. Never recorded a podcast by myself before, but I think I did all right job. Um, thank you guys always for listening. I appreciate it. Make sure you follow at Golden Homers, Nathan underscore Erbach, Mason underscore Plumber. Find us on Twitter, always with the latest Notre Dame news, thoughts, and opinions there. Um, anything in terms of football, basketball, baseball, recruiting for all three, we are there for you. I appreciate you guys listening as always. Go Irish. The Golden Homers are a proud sponsor of Homes for Troops, a publicly funded 501c3 nonprofit organization that builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans. Since its inception in 2004, nearly 90 cents out of every dollar spent has gone directly to our program services for veterans. Visit at hfotusa.org. Thank you.